Coming up this week on the show, we are going to talk about the Consumer Electronics Show, CES 2014 in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we also have a very special announcement to share with you for next week's show. John Kessler, Joe Falby, and myself are going to talk all about that coming up next. Geek Gamer Weekly is brought to you by our very own Roku app for Geek Gamer TV. You can go back and watch the back catalog of Geek Gamer Weekly, Minecraft Me, our specials from PAX Prime, E3, and soon-to-be CES 2014. To grab that app today, go to ggtv.me slash Roku. This is Geek Gamer Weekly, episode 254, recorded Sunday, January 19th, 2014, the CES 2014 Wrap-Up Show. Hey guys, welcome again to another edition of Geek Gamer Weekly. This is the Uber podcast for geeks and gamers, where we, friends, come together and chat about the latest in gaming and technology, and also share with you our adventures. I'm Chase Nunes. Joining me this week is what I call the essentials crew of this show. First, it's John Kessler. Hey, John. Yes. How are you? Just ducky. Nice, man. Looking good over there. Really? People have commented uh, about your uh, the, your backdrop there, the curtain. The, uh, the curtain. The they velvet. say it's velvet. It's, it's far from velvet. No, no. It's more shower curtain. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very velvety. <laughs> Just looks soft in the video. Mm-hmm. Also with us, uh, another essential part of the show, and essential part of our crew at CES, Joe Sif Falby. Hey, Joe, how are you, man? Good. So, uh, oh, and, and and by the way, now we don't have a fourth guest this week because I wanted it just to be us because we're going to talk about CES, and now it's time mm-hmm. for the worldwide. It's not patented yet, but it should be the world famous quad shot. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good time. Uh, my super part. exciting. Uh, can anybody, now I know you two mm-hmm. uh, may not know this, but anybody in the back, mm-hmm. uh, can you guys uh, uh, identify, if, if you're watching the video stream, the background? Uh, Joe or John only. Chat room, don't help them. What is that in the background? Wow. It's, I, I know what. You you know what, well, you. It's the the football stadium. What's it called? Is it CenturyLink? Yes. Not, okay. Wow. wow. Very good, John well, it's Kessler. Not Safeco. Wait. It's, it's a. It's a. It's a. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because the other one's Safeco, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so, uh, John. Yes. Congratulations. You get a ding. Yeah. Very, very good. I'm actually kind of annoyed because now we we it used to be that that where basketball was played in in Oregon in Portland used to be the Rose Garden, right, or Rose Rose Quarter area. Right. That, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Now it's. Moga or Moda Arena or something something stupid. They changed the name? Yeah, somebody well somebody bought the naming rights. It's not the Rose Garden anymore? No, no, no. It's it's uh Portland um I don't even live in Portland and I think that's offensive. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, it's 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 still (laughs) rosequarter.com, but officially it's the Moda Center. Well, 
So, you know, Denver Broncos, the they're playing the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl this year, and they used to play at Mile High Stadium. Well, they rebuilt the stadium, and it's now, oh, it's like something, something field at Mile High. They like, they, they, because a lot of people, they're very, you know, protective. Sports Authority Field. That's it. Yeah. Sports Authority Field. Sports at, Authority. Yeah. At Mile High. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense. That's, that's, well, yeah. yeah. So. So I'm very happy. Yeah, the Seattle Seahawks are going on to the Super Bowl for the second time in the franchise history. It's going to be a fun one in two weeks to watch. It's going to be in a cold weather stadium for the first time in Super Bowl. Well, not I wouldn't say first time ever because NFL championships, uh, like there was one in Green Bay, right? You know, I think was it Super Bowl three or whatever. So, um, should be a fun thing to watch. But we're not here to talk about sports this week. We're here to talk about gaming and technology. We're we're here to share our thoughts. And experiences from the Consumer Electronics Show, CES 2014, which was in Las Vegas, about a week ago, plus a few days. We were supposed to do this show last week, but we all came down with um, a sickness, if you will, some sort of a convention virus. I had a game plan, gents. My game plan was when I was going to, when we went into the show, I knew we would be shaking a lot of hands mm-hmm. and we would be talking with a lot of people. And I would have like a little mini bottle of hand sanitizer. I would be ready. Yeah. So I wouldn't get sick. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen that way. You left it home. What's that? Did you even take it with you? I didn't even bother. Mm. I mean, there were so many things on my mind to to remember to bring, you know, and equipment. And, and actually, we didn't forget anything, which was like, I think maybe the first time ever. The only thing that I knew that we would have to purchase when we got there, which I already knew, which was a USB hub. But other than that, I don't, you know, I think we had everything we needed. Um, so um, before we kind of go over what we covered and what we did, I mean, uh, you guys know our game plan going into the convention was to try to find gaming stuff, to try to find things that maybe were not being talked about mm-hmm. in a in a big full fashion, that sort of thing. Uh, but, um, oh, you know what? And I still have a video that I still need to post that just reminded me <laughs> talking about niche things. But, uh, um, John, I mean, what were your experiences? I mean, obviously this was your first CES ever. You've done a few conventions before. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? What do you think? You know, I, I was thinking about this the other night and it was like, well, you know, with with the way it's broken down into different, you know, categories within the thing and we're, you know, we're transitioning with thing between sections. I was like, it's like going to the mall. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. You know, the, there's a lot of stuff that that's there. Some of it, you know, most of it doesn't interest you or doesn't catch your eye. Yeah. You know, it's like you can only see so many cell phone cases. Well, that's true. Um, you know, the the wearable, wearable tech was was pretty big on everybody's list. It got it's especially, even bigger this, t- you this know, time. Yeah, yeah, especially for the uh the the health industry. Yep. Um but you know, I almost likened it going to the mall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> With that many people and that many products. Now, the other thing I'll ask you about, John, is mm-hmm. you know, for this is the first major convention that you had to do the bulk of the the camera uh, mm-hmm. wearing. I mean, obviously we usually have our a trusty friend and uh, compadre Cameron Ashley, Mr. Cameron Man, but he wasn't with us. No, nope. I uh, couldn't make it, so you had to step up. You also had uh, some new pieces of equipment that you had to learn how to use as well. We yeah. had a, a new monopod that we've never used before. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, I was kind of glad that we did use that and not the shoulder rig. Yeah, because yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I would have been dead after the first day. Um, I'm I'm trying to pull up the picture of the monopod right okay. now, but uh, but talk about you know doing it from your perspective. How was it? It, I, I don't know. You just push <laughs> the button and go. <laughs> push record. Keep everything in frame. To we, the point. We went. Th- we went th- with a with a company. Uh, or I went. I, yeah. I, I did some research, and um, I went with uh, a company by the name of Ben Rowe. Ben Rowe. Yep. And uh, let me actually pull that up here, so you guys can take a look. Actually, we didn't see them there, did we? I don't think they were there. They'll probably hmm. be at NAB. Uh, they wow. actually introduced uh, this this new classic uh, with a three leg ba- base here. Uh, this particular monopod. Let's see if I can actually get a a closer view of it. If there's actually will let me. It may not. I don't know. It doesn't let me zoom in. Uh, but essentially, it's this uh, monopod here. It's got three full down legs. And did you, uh, in using this with mm-hmm. our equipment, did it make it a lot easier for you? I mean, was was the feet helpful? Was, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it, you know, yeah. I mean, it was pretty stable. Um, the fluid head. Yeah. Um, you didn't do much panning. You didn't have to. Worry no, about we didn't that. have to do too much panning. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can actually you know once you get extended down, if you need to, you can actually flip the feet down, you know, with your toe. Oh yeah. Yeah, you don't have to pick it up and and flip it down. You just kind of kick it, kick everything down with your toe. Um, other than having to put you know release do the releases to pull it back up. Um, but uh, no, it it definitely was quite versatile. Yeah, it's very versatile and and stable enough. Very that, stable. And with the, such a small footprint, you're not always running around trying to get a tripod out there, you, you, which we saw some people doing. Well, like, oh, and that wow. and that's the thing, right? I mean, first off, that that piece of equipment very inexpensive in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's one ninety nine. It's solid. Uh, you could actually hurt somebody with it if you yeah. really wanted to. Uh, it can turn if into a mace. Uh, well, the, and the other thing too uh, that Jace Rossi was asking me about last week was did we do anything different with the lighting? And we didn't break out the light except at the very last day mm-hmm. when we were at the uh, Razor booth because their booth was literally in space. It was yeah. in the dark. But And um, the booth right across the way was like ridiculous. Lit up. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. just crazy lighting. The contrasts were pretty bad. Yeah. However, we uh, I, I, I've been learning uh, the camera that we use and the camera that you guys are seeing me on if you're watching the video is the JVC... GYHM100U. I know it rolls off the tongue. It's a, it's a great marketing name. I love this camera a lot. One of the major reasons why I like it so much is it can import video from the camera directly into Final Cut Pro without any transcoding necessary. It's it, it records in native MOV format and I believe it's up to 30 megabits per second. I think that's how it's recorded. I could be definitely wrong on that, but but it works very well. But one thing I've been learning with this camera, it is a professional grade camera, is manual controls. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've learned a lot about uh, you know uh, adjusting the iris and doing auto white balancing. And I think it. And we also shot, by the way, we shot in 1080p at 24 frames, uh, which gave it a more humanized or human feel yeah. to it. So yeah, it was the iris is the only thing we really kind of played with. Yeah, and we and the auto white balancing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we obviously we had to do that depending on how much light was in the environment, but it worked out very very well. Uh, we used Sennheiser microphones like the microphone you're using uh, with wireless, and uh, we didn't. You know mm-hmm. what? 
I was expecting major interference issues, you guys, and we didn't run into no, any. No, not really. Um, which was great. I, yeah, I, I never heard a, a single crosstalk. Yeah, no, the whole it's time. and that that really shows the kind of quality of the the equipment that we were using. You know, I mean, obviously, some people go there and they try to minimize it, but I don't know. I I think the one way that we can be set apart is with the quality of coverage that we do. So, uh, Joe, before I kind of walk everybody through our, our days of coverage. Uh, what did you pull away from, from the event? What were your expectations going into the, the event and so on? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess that the, the biggest thing that struck me really was, was in part about the event, but, but also just about the, where we were, uh, the venue that it was held at is just how big, it truly is. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. You know, I, I, the thing that really drove it home for me, I think, was that that last day when we were trying to find Razor's booth and we found it on the map. And, oh, it's like, oh, it's only halfway down this hall. It's only a half a year away. Yeah, it's uh, only halfway down hall, uh, <laughs> the South Hall, which yeah. is the two-story hall. So it's, yeah. you know, it's not it's not all that far. We can walk to that. It should only take us a couple minutes. Yeah. And we you realize when you get into the hall and you look down the hall, you can't see it. Because there's too many booths in the way. There's so many. And when you start walking towards it, you're like, oh, well, we should come up on the booth next to it. No, it, it, it's still a ways down there. <laughs> it, was, it was just rather staggering how the scale of the thing. And, uh, and one thing I really would love to see is I'd love to have the opportunity to see the convention center um, empty. empty. Yeah just to get an idea of true how truly big those rooms are because totally I, I was really astounded by how big it was and then the variety that was there uh you know we kind of breezed through some areas that that i i wish we'd gone back and spent a little more time there i would love to have spent more time in 3d printing um he's helping um oh, he's helping uh, print uh, yeah cute. yeah he's helping um so uh i love to have spent more time in 3d printing there's a lot of really cool stuff there uh there was uh the TVs, uh, you know, we saw a lot of TVs, and mm -hmm. I didn't understand why any of them had a curved screen. Oh. It still doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I know I've read all the marketing reasons, but yeah, yeah. it's still it I will ridiculous. say this, Joe. Until um, they officially come to market in, in mass, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see from the true, I would say the true thorough reviews from, you know, from those guys who do it for a living. Then we'll see if there's any major difference. But until then, I don't. I'm with you, Joe. I mean, I want a nice flat surface to watch my sports. The, the, the only argument I've heard so far about it that I can kind of understand is if you're sitting in the middle of it and you're looking straight on the screen, a smaller curved screen has the appearance of a larger flat screen. And I guess that's true. Hmm. However, the big trade off is if anyone else is watching it, they're going to get a distorted picture because they're looking at it from a from a different angle. Yeah, who cares about them? It's well, all about well, you. Well, what's the viewing angle? That's the key, right? I mean, what's the, the well the viewing major? angle on these, especially because all the curved ones, as I recall, were OLEDs. Mm -hmm. So the viewing angle basically is is as close to flat against the screen as you can get. But but the the issue is the distortion, right? The further out you sit, the more distorted a picture is. If you've ever sat on the edge of the edge of a uh, like the front edge of a movie theater with a big rounded screen. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And you get a fair amount of distortion close to you. The center of the picture isn't too bad. And then you get a fair amount of distortion on the other side. It doesn't look so, that but, pronounced, though. I mean, look at this. This is a... Uh, it's actually a, a tighter bend than any movie theater is. Ah. Uh, um, but then it, again, it, the, your living uh, room's not a movie theater either, though. 
No, but it's tighter proportionally. Right. Uh, it's actually be. tighter than if they if they scaled a, a, a theater screen down to that size, it's a tighter bend than it would be. Uh, it's it's significantly. I, I read a, a whole when I was when I was first you know when when I, when we finally got back and I'd recovered enough to to like think about it and be like that didn't make any sense to me. I read a bunch of articles about about why it was and the arguments for it, and it's ninety percent marketing. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've found anybody at this point who can defend it as a good reason. It's the sort of thing that a company does to say, look what we can do. And then one company did it and everybody else is like, hey, we should we can totally do that, too. Let's do that. And and then it sort of snowballed. And I don't understand why. Well, they look nice. I mean, and you know what? The the curved, the curvedness, the curviness. Mm -hmm. Is that a is that a, is that a word? Curviness? Curvasive. The curvasive yeah. nature <laughs> of the television screens. Isn't that <laughs> terrible? That being said, if they're going to charge, say, $200 more for a curved model over a straight model, I'm going to go for the straight one. Well, it's brought mean, to you by the same marketing team that did the curved phones. Well, at least, at least, at least, LG, this is one of the things we saw. We saw a lot of cell phones there. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's Hawaii is the one. Uh, we also saw LG, Samsung, a lot, of, a lot of makers that were there. LG, at least... Fine. If you're gonna curve the phone, they curved it the right way. I don't know yeah. why Samsung is curving it like a U, because that's yeah. basically how they're curving it. Uh, the uh, it's it's hard. Here, I'll take this uh, this uh, conveniently placed Maxim uh, piece of uh, uh, card here. So so say this is the phone, right? So Samsung is doing it like this. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then LG is doing it like this. Okay, that feel I, I felt one that felt much better in the hand. Um, the LG one, not the, the LG one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Samsung one, I, I I don't get it. I obviously they just wanted to be first to the market. That that, yeah. that makes sense to me, I guess. But uh, no curved HD HD ultra high def screens, beautiful large sizes, ultra thin. But the cool thing we saw is from it was not just from the major manufacturers. We saw it from mid range too. Uh, so it's really nice to see competition. We're, I think we're still a couple of years out, though, from seeing it probably in a reasonable price range uh, for us to go. And Actually, pick up. I was I was just looking. Uh, there's um, uh, who is it? Sharp, I think. Yeah. One of the manufacturers has a, a TV on Amazon right now. It's an 80 inch uh, ultra high def. Okay. Um, for just a hair shy of five grand. That's not bad. Grant, no. I, I can so, get a non-high def, ultra high def for probably half that though. So, well, you can get them for a lot less than that. I was seeing seventy inches advertised uh, on at Fry's over the weekend for less than a thousand bucks. Wow. So yeah, I, there's obviously a price premium with with four uh, K TVs. There's yeah. always going to be a price premium for four K TVs, at least yeah. until they become the standard. But uh, but they are coming down. It's not like it's a twenty thousand dollar investment anymore. Uh, it's it's getting to the point that's more reasonable now. While talking about that, of course, the biggest thing you have to mention is, well, I I guess you better hope Netflix starts releasing more stuff in in 4K because there's not a whole lot of other options. <laughs> <laughs> Drive it with a with a computer, I suppose. But even then, all uh, I guess you could what game you could game on that. You could, you yeah. could, uh, even though you'd have to have a couple of uh, pretty high end video cards if with you want lots it, of video memory to do it. If but, you want to run it native resolution, yeah, yeah. Well, the cool thing about CES is we got to see uh, a lot of innovative tech 
And obviously our goal when we went there was to search out and try to find gaming related items or even items related to the, the internet broadcaster, which for me, uh, you know, obviously, which is what I do. I always keep an eye open for those things. Now, Joe at Showstoppers, I'm, uh, maybe Joe, you can kind of set this up. At Showstoppers, mm -hmm. we saw a company by the name of Myonix. Now, uh, you know, you mm -hmm. and I, you know, and John, we know we've been gaming for a while. Mm -hmm. Hat didn't ring a bell <laughs> for us when we yeah. when we heard them, uh, but we 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 saw uh, obviously some really cool things that they've they've been doing for a while since 2011. They had some keyboards there and some mice. Uh, but uh, what did you discover? And then I'll and then I'll play the the interview. Well, one one thing they they were really showing off there, what they were were talking about, is they're working on uh, converting or or making a version of their wireless, uh, which model do they call it. I think it's the actually I don't see it on on their list of products yet. So they're making a, a uh, they're they're making a wireless version of one of their gaming mice. But they're adding inductive charging to it. Yeah. So you'd have in your pad, in the mouse pad for it, there's a coil. And in the in the mouse, there's a coil. And when they line up, it charges the mouse. So you don't have to plug the mouse in or anything like that, which is a kind of a cool concept. Well, let's take a look uh, from, from that said interview. So it's a wireless mouse. Looks fairly similar to Neos over here. Uh, but it's a totally different shape. It's actually a development of that one. Um, it basically works that you have batteries here on the inside, but also you have a receiver here in the front and on off button. Uh, it has an ADNS uh, 9800 sensor, Abago sensor, and 32 um, uh, bits ARM processor. Uh, but how it works is that it's a coil here inside the, uh, uh, the mouse, and if I just lift off this one, you will actually see that under here, here we actually have a, a PCB. And here is a coil, so basically when the receiver and the transmitter meets, uh, this uh, lamp will start to flash and then it charge. Uh, but also, that's, it means that you need to put the mouse uh, fairly centralized here on the mouse pad to get it to work. But also what we have done is that we, you can charge it by just having connecting the cable in the front. Uh, and then we have this dongle here. Uh, which says RF, and it works in 1000 hertz and one millisecond, so it's the same speed as you would have with a corded cable. So, so, so they, the they announced that at the show, uh, uh, no really release time yet for Yeah, they really were showing it off as a, as a prototype. It, right. It's something that they're working on, it's yep. in their labs, that they hopefully will have out to market in the next year or so. But uh, it's definitely a prototype, and he said they were really interested in, in feedback and response and what people thought of the idea. So, and at the time, I remember being really excited about it because I thought, well, as you're moving your mouse, as you're using your mouse, yeah. keep your mouse charged. Yeah. Uh, but as, as he explained later on, you actually, the coils have to line up pretty closely. So you yeah. do have to keep your mouse stationary on it, which is, um, which is okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but uh, it's not, that's not quite as cool as I had thought it was at first. Right. Which kind of makes sense though. I mean, you are moving a mouse. Yeah. yeah things got to line up, but... It's a definitely a proof in concept, and yeah. it's something that I could easily see not becoming one of those CES things where we're not going to see it come to fruition. I think we will, uh, and maybe they'll have a, a bigger contact point or maybe a, a kind of nice designed bullseye on the mouse pad or something like that. So, yeah. So we'll see. They also were showing off uh, their new headsets, uh, their new headphones, 
which doesn't use any kind of USB dongle or anything. They're just straight standard headphones, but they're ultra comfortable uh, and super sounding. And we'll have review units uh, sometime in February to try those out as well. So, Well, and one thing I, I really liked about their stuff, and we, we talked about this with them during the interview a little bit, was uh, a good mouse can, or a mediocre mouse could can live or die by the software it has. Oh, the, yeah. The software, software that goes on the computer is completely utterly worthless and even though it may have every feature in the world if it's impossible to find or or you know has a modern style interface where everything is all goofed up and not just straightforward and easy to use it, it can kill even the best gaming mouse yeah um, or keyboard or any any other device like that and their software looked really really powerful and yep. really straightforward to use and that that right there is one reason why I'm, I'm interested in, in trying to lay some hands on a set because I think the software like I said software can can kill a great mouse or make a mediocre mouse fantastic. Yeah, yeah, so. and and the and the, the incredible thing is the kind of hardware they're even putting in these mice yeah. alone uh, just trumps yeah. every anything I've ever had in the past. So, uh, and it's good to see other companies trying to step up. Obviously, they compete against Razer and Logitech in, in that arena. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. Um, you know, one of the other things that I saw at the show this now this was at Showstoppers uh, on Tuesday, the very first day that we were there, and she, basically Showstoppers is. Think of it as kind of like an all-star all star, all -star uh, CES in one big ballroom, if you will. I uh, spoke with a gentleman over at a company called Hovercam, and they were showing off uh, some USB 3.0 cameras for, uh, for, for people who need that. Uh, say, for example, teleconferencers or even those who want to scan documents. And I'll uh, show that interview off to you guys right now. Having that nice, crisp, clean video. I'm here with Craig from Hovercam. Craig, thank you for talking with me. You're welcome. My pleasure. So, this really spotted my eye because this is a USB 3.0 camera. Tell me a little bit about uh, the camera itself, first off. Well, like you said, it's a USB 3.0 camera with an 8 megapixel sensor embedded in it. And so that 8 megapixels allows us to produce a 3K image. So, HD 1080p at 30 frames a second. So it's a very, very clear image at a very, very fast refresh rate. And so when you think about your audience and how they could use it, they'll get very real lifelike images in their web conferences or in, in their gaming environment as well. Sure, so, so this camera obviously high megapixel, high bandwidth? I mean, is this going to be something that's going to possibly bog down your system if you're running it? We don't think so. I mean, for your audience, and they have pretty good computers, it doesn't take up a lot of bandwidth. Um, so we don't think that's going to be an issue with the camera. Um, now, I, I was talking to one of your fellow colleagues about this. What do you think maybe a maximum might be on a system? One camera, two cameras? Oh, no, we think you can have more than two cameras. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, so yeah, the, the camera seems pretty amazing. Uh, they, they do estimate that the camera should come out within the next six months. That's what they estimate. Uh, but the really cool thing about this camera uh, is, first off, the version that you saw there in the snapshot, uh, it, it's magnetic on that base, so you can really fine-tune and adjust how you want the camera to be. They also have a version of the camera that's on this long, kind of a goose, not a gooseneck arm, but this uh, hinged arm, if you will, so you can you know use it as a, a stand. But not only that, scan documents because it is such a high-res camera this can basically replace that old-school flatbed scanner that you may have <laughs> and a lot of businesses probably still have uh, and so it, they, their software 
Also does uh, uh, optical character recognition, and there's some other th cool things of, with that as well. So $299 is a suggested retail on that, but you know this is really the first major company that I've seen push a USB 3.0 camera. We haven't even seen any kind of Thunderbolt cameras uh, or USB cameras yet, and this was one that kind of stepped up to the plate and is showing it off. And it looks really, really cool. Um, I, uh, I now I forgot to ask him about um, uh, actual OS uh, compatibility. He did say that with Skype and other major, you know, webcam softwares that it should work because it uses a Twain driver uh, that is pretty much universal in that arena. So we will see. Now, Joe, uh, you talked about towards our, our the end uh, of our time there and trying to track down the Razor booth. Um, and the next to the last day, you're saying we need to go check them out because of some gal by the name of Christine. And I thought, hey, this might must be a really hot chick working at the booth. We need to go check her out. But it w really wasn't about that, right, Joe? It was about uh, a new potential piece of hardware, right? Yeah. So um, Razer sort of has a history of doing these these really over-the-top, ridiculous things. Uh, you know, they they did their um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, oh, they call it Project Fiona, and that was a um, uh, basically a full screen lower tablet style system with uh, just like way over the top ridiculous in terms of gaming and stuff like that. And and of course, it never in its in its prototype stage they showed off at CES a few years ago. It never reached market, but a lot of what went into that ended up turning into their tablet that they did release and the add-ons, the gaming add-ons they had for that and stuff like that. So. Project Christine is another one of those just ridiculous, over-the-top, fantastic ideas that's probably never going to see the light of day, at least commercially, in its current state. Right. But the ideas from it and the tech put into it should be released in some form or fashion in the next over the next couple of years. And it's basically a completely modular PC. It's amazing, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so now yeah. Uh, PCs are naturally modular, but this takes a little further. Yeah. Uh, these modules are easy to uh, anybody could could add or remove a module from this computer and uh, and make it exactly what they want. So it's a really really cool thing, and uh, hopefully you have that video for I it. I do, yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, you uh, you had a chance to uh, speak with Kevin from Razer, and let's check yeah. that out right now. It's a cool hey, concept PC that that we've heard a lot about, and came down here down here to check it out. I got Kevin from Razer. What can you tell us about this thing? Sure, so this is Project Christine. In a single line, it's the world's most modular PC design. And what that means is it's fully modular. Everything that connects into this PCI Express backbone architecture is able to be hot swapped and just plug and play. So it really opens up the, you know, the amazingness of the, uh, of the PC platform, which is completely open already, to uh, users that can't build their own tower. So anybody can just plug and play and get the latest performance and the latest hardware. Because of that, it's easily upgradable. So as new components become available by I NVIDIA, Intel, the plan is, the idea is to just have them already set to go and just plug it in and your, uh, your PC will be running, you know, top of the, uh, top of the line performance. So you, you buy the center thing, you buy some initial components, six months down the line, you're like, I need something a little better. Sure. 
on. You just pop a new component on. Yeah, I mean, that's the idea. I mean, it'll come with, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking along the lines of a subscription service to where, uh, you know, there are tiers. So maybe the tier one subscription, you pay a little more, and you get the newer components as soon as they become available. Uh, your older components, which are just, you know, maybe not quite as fast, uh, would be refurbished and sent out to the tier two subscription service and so on. So that's an idea we're playing around with. We're really, we announced this at a CES 2014 to really get uh, feedback from the editorial and the gaming community to see what they like about it, what they'd like to change uh, before we consider bringing something like this to market. Well, I love the concept. I think it looks fantastic. And the idea of subscription service where I always have the top end machine, that's a great idea. No, it really is. And what I didn't even touch on was it's both silent and powerful. So at the bottom here, uh, it's able to be uh, active liquid cooled with mineral oil that pumps up through the spine and into each module. Um, and what that allows is for... Uh, so if you guys want to check out the full interview that we had with Razer, we'll have it available on our website. But man, Joe, that piece of technology is amazing. That's something we may not even see this year. And they obviously they talked about, of course, Fiona, of course, and how it did happen. Mm -hmm. um, I think that subscription model has a chance as long as yeah, they price it appropriately. That's the key, right? Yeah, and, and what I think... The, really the promise for for this this type of computer is uh, moving people off of consoles you know something like this is approachable for an average user to be able to build you know if they need to upgrade a component it's just clip it on clip it off you know it, it's not difficult to, to make those changes which removes that that perceived um, you know no a lot of people don't like the idea of opening their case and, and mucking around on the inside of it we don't have to with this it's really easy to do that and the subscription idea, I think, is really cool. I think about buying into it at, at like four or five hundred bucks. You get your initial hardware. Yeah. Every and then you sign up for a subscription at fifty, hundred bucks a month, whatever. I mean, it might be a little spendy depending on the person, but especially if they can roll in some sort of uh, automatic Steam support or game credits or something like that. So your subscription not only gets you the the hardware, but you also get some games for it. You know, I just and then every every couple months they send you a new part. I, you know, I just I think thought that's of. Fantastic. I just thought. Also thought of Joe. What if they came out with? Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw a full tower, uh, full yeah. uh, full tower edition, right? What What if they came out with a a junior a junior tower edition yeah. where? Well, you know, uh, and, and I, honestly, one of one of the first things I thought when I saw this is this this is a potential Steam box, right? Yeah, you start totally. out with a Steam box yeah. as a processor and a low end video card. You stream your content from another machine, or you just do stuff that can be run on it. And as time goes on, right, you put in new hardware, you get better stuff, you upgrade the machine, you make it more reliable. I mean, the 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 one of the things we didn't even talk about in the video, he mentioned it, is uh, it's silent, silent computing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the way they do that is they actually have a liquid cooling loop that yeah. runs through all of the components. And that would be perfect for a living room, as long as you yeah. can turn off all the, the totally. stupid blingy lights. Yeah. Uh, it would be perfect for a living room, because silent computing is really what you want yep. in, a, in a living room, in a home theater PC. Yeah. What what do you think of it, John? Obviously, you know you saw it for the first time behind yeah. the lens of the camera. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of it, man? It was pr definitely pretty interesting. Um, the you know especially with the with the uh, the mineral they, it was a mineral oil that they're using for cooling. So um, I was going, yeah, that's obviously going to have to come pre-primed and <laughs> plop it in there. But it would be it, nice not to have to worry about anything because it's all one. In, it's plug and play. <laughs> yeah. Um, would be nice to see a, 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 a shorter form factor, you know. Yeah. That was quite, you know, quite the. the it's an old school tower machine yeah, sure. that, that they've got going on there. Yeah. yeah. But 
Um, uh, yeah, the system they yeah. had showing off uh, obviously had a lot of potential expandability on it. I was trying to figure out how many what modules you would put on the back. Right. <laughs> I see the need for three or four spaces, a yeah. couple of video well, cards and a processor and a motherboard and yeah. a power supply maybe. Well, the uh, W the was it WWNSX was asking about uh, Intel switching CPU socks. Problem is that's all contained in the module. Yeah, uh, all, all that's in the module. In the module. So regardless of what uh, you know what CPU socket is, that's all in the module. Right. Because it's, yeah. it's their interconnect on the backplane. Yeah, that everything's right. done. So you, you need to think of yeah the way to think of it is that centerpiece. There's no processing in it. That centerpiece is SATA buses, PCIe, uh, PCI Express, and uh, and power, and that's it. And cooling, of course. Um, and then yeah. so the the module that holds the processor that is the motherboard, so to speak, is just an add-on module to that. And that's where memory is. That's where the processor lives. That's where all of those components, the motherboard itself, is in that module. So it, it I, really is so kind it, of a, a really cool and different concept. So it even means the the, the memory itself is going to be liquid cooled. Everything. Uh, yeah. Well, potentially, yeah. yeah. Well, everything. well I mean, remember, I mean, the, these are these are just modules, right? Yeah, so I mean, yeah. you could have a module that's just basically <laughs> doing a pass through of the liquid. Uh, or yeah. you just plug it in and it just bypasses being liquid cooled because obviously, yeah. like say USB ports and audio ports, you don't need yeah. those water cooled. Yeah, an op optical no. drive, even right. a hard drive, yeah. you, you may not need it uh, liquid cooled. An SSD certainly wouldn't need to be. Right. No, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm excited. I love the fact that if I would if I was able to pop in a new USB bus or a new uh, new USB ports, that'd be cool to do. Hopefully, yeah. uh, this is one of those CES things that just don't kind of go away. Obviously, they mm -hmm. need to make it price effective for them. But then yeah. they also have to convince traditional PC gamers and those who are going to get involved to lay down the money. Yeah. And uh, well, so, that's the the two markets they're going after, right? Yeah. They they would be going after traditional PC gamers who are a, a lot of them. I mean, all three of us are. Nope, I'm building it. Forget it. <laughs> I'm putting it together myself, and you know, saving money and doing it cost effectively that way. And then also there there and there are a few PC gamers out there who though who want to buy the biggest baddest system, uh, but a lot of those are I don't think they're that willing to do something like that. I don't know if they'd buy a Razer system. They're the people who want to have Falcon Northwest on their case or Alienware that sort right. of thing. And then the other market they're really going after is uh, console gamers. Yep. And console gamers are, and I know I'm generalizing here, but cheap. Uh, that's why they're <laughs> buying consoles. They perceive the PC as being expensive and difficult and hard to deal with. And I don't know if something like this would even attract them because even though the hardware is simple, it still has a, an OS in there. And that yeah. is perceived as being difficult and nerdy and geeky. And they don't want to get their hands dirty dealing with it. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It'll yeah. be a tough sell. We'll have to see. But I love the tech that went into it. And, and even though the, the models they had there were not working demos, they did say they had a couple of working systems back in their lab, yeah. which is is cool. I mean, it means they've already done all the engineering. It's mm -hmm. it's a it's a great proof and concept, and uh, you know maybe we'll see a revision of it in the future. I I, yeah. I agree with Chris in the chat room. I really hope that they build this and uh, or smaller <laughs> Steam box or an audio editing session. I mean, I, I I love to see you know just a few modules high, and let me just buy it myself. You know, you know what would be would be really really cool uh, actually. Now that I think about it, yeah, is. If Razer does this, they get really close to production on it, and then Apple buys them and uses it for their next Mac Pro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only the only thing I would say, and I want to put yeah. a cap on this, the only thing that bothers me, and it's always bothered me about anything, not just about Razer, is anything mm -hmm. uber pri pri uh, pri uh, proprietary. Proprietary. Thank you. I was, yeah. That's what I was trying to say. My mind wanted to say it. Um, and that's that. what worries me, because... 
you are putting a lot of stock, especially if you're going to invest into a system like this, that it's going to be around in three to five years from now. Yeah. That's the only thing that worries me. Other than that, I think it's stellar, and I really hope it comes to market. Now, yeah. one of the things that uh, we as PC gamers uh, always have over our console counterparts, and yes, you know, we have a friendly rivalry, if you will, especially when it comes to games like Battlefield and Call of Duty, is that of the controller, of how you play your game. Now, we know that if you're on the console, you're using the... Uh, you're using a keypad here. Let me let me show off mine here. You're you're using one of these, and uh, believe me, you you rather be using. Uh, uh, I can't really show it. They're all tied down. Uh, a keyboard and mouse, right? You'd rather be using one of those. Why? Well, I, mm -hmm. I had the great opportunity uh, to chat uh, with our friends over at IO Gear, and this is something you guys really really want to check out. Doing stellar, my friends. So. We dropped by because we see something very cool. Now, we're PC gamers, a lot of us at heart. I'm sorry, console guys, I know you're out there. However, there's a really cool peripheral that you guys are going to be launching soon called the Key Mapper. And why don't you explain what it does? Well, actually, it's the Keymander. It's kind of. Oh, I'm sorry, Keymander. <laughs> it's a play on words. Uh, basically, what this does, it allows all those keyboard and mouse users to play on their game console, be it a PS3, Xbox One, or Xbox 360. You know, for a long time, there's been that bit of rivalry between PC gamers and console gamers. Who's the best? And uh, a few years ago, there was a test that was done by a company, and they found that uh, the keyboard and mouse, because of its pre precision accuracy and everything else that's tied to it, kind of leads to a better gamer. Uh, so what we've done is created a product that is USB-based. It just simply plugs right into your game console, plug in your keyboard and mouse, and right out the box, you're ready to go. So I had a demo before we started talking here, and it works extremely well. Obviously, in this environment, there's a lot of wireless interference because we're using some wireless peripherals. Uh, but no separate power source needed. Basically, you just plug and play, especially on the PS3, you just plug and play, and you're ready to go. What kind of setup needs to happen on the other side of things, say for the Xbox One? Is anything special needs to be done? Uh, yeah, actually, we're going to provide a firmware update. So once you buy the product, you just go to our website and you pick your game console that you're going to play it on, upload the firmware, and you're up and running. You could also use any kind of keyboard or mouse peripheral, correct? Because we know there's a lot of people that they're either in bed with SteelSeries or Logitech, and they have their favorite keyboard and mouse combo. This will work with any of them, correct? Exactly. And the benefit with our product is not only just right out the box is it plug and play, but we actually include some software for allowing you to fine tune. There was some, uh, during that one project where they were looking at the keyboard and mouse players, they found that there was some factors that made them better. One, being able to so customize your So, I, I, the one thing I love about this, you guys, I, I have to say, is is the price point. We uh, I went on to ask him, when's it going to be available? He's going to say, he says quarter, I think it was quarter one, so next three months or so. And the price was $99 uh, and some change. And you could set up macros with it. You can really fully customize it because obviously, if you're you need to be able to customize it because you know on a keyboard, if you're playing a first-person shooter, you can customize all your keys. On the console, there's gonna be some mapping happening. Well, you can customize that. So if you want jump instead of being spacebar to be the J key or whatever, you can fully set that up and customize it. Um, I gotta say this. I think this is great. I hope it happens. I hope it, it does. We do see it to market. Uh, we've seen these kind of devices before, especially on the Xbox 360, but they've been a lot more expensive. I, I think I saw one that was like anywhere from two to $300. I just The name escapes me. Now, uh, 
XIM3, the Zim3. Was it? Was, was that what it was? The Zim3 <laughs> is one that I have that I never really actually got around to using. Um, but it was, uh, it, it was, it's the, it's the same sort of idea. And I had an earlier one that didn't work very well, but it was much cheaper. It was like 40 or 50 bucks. Right. But all of them for the Xbox require you to use an Xbox controller and you have to use a wired controller. You can't use a wireless. Now, now Chris, and it sounds like this one's the same one. I, I want to say the game, uh, I had, I didn't click on the link, but I, I think there was a game that allowed cross platform play. It was, I think called Shadowfall. Was it Shadowfall? Uh, where um, it was maybe. PC versus console. And uh, yeah, the, the, the they kind of closed that off because the PC side destroyed the console gamers. Yeah, yeah. Um, this this is a little bit different though because this is not letting PC gamers play. It just lets you change your controller interface, which has happened for a long time. Everybody, you, know, you can use joysticks, you can use your own custom controllers. That's been okay. Turbo. Well, and there were a few uh, there were yeah. a few PS3 games that allowed you to use keyboard and mouse as well. Yeah, just built in. Uh, I don't think any Xbox games ever allowed you to do that, but there were a couple. I want to say one, one of the Unreal Tournament games allowed you to, uh, and I think there was something else. Uh, but but yeah, it, it's a it's a cool concept and one that a lot of people have tried, and and this one works surprisingly well. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, just like any any anytime you get into a new game or any into a new control, it takes a little while to get used to things, but uh, it it does work pretty well once you're once you get into that groove. Yeah. Um, yeah, John, go for it. I was uh, talking to, I can't say you know, who it is, or uh, it's just one of my customers works in the Xbox department there at Microsoft. He, work, he works in the green area. Yeah. What do you mean by green? Green, Microsoft, Xbox. Okay. You know, they kind of, um, you know. I was telling him about this, and he was kind of scratching his head going, um, how are they you know, doing it? Because he said one of the things that Microsoft checks for, because he said... One of the things that the controller has is uh, rate limiting for turning. And he was talking about that that's the issue with the mouse is you don't have any kind of limits on how fast you can turn. And on the on their on the back end, they're they're looking at rates, turning rates. So if you're doing an FPS and you have like on Halo or something and you have a quicker and you're able to fling it around, right? Fling it around, you know, do a, a pull of three sixty. Ha I get out it. Fast, get it. You know, oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Xbox sorry. 360. Yeah, um, but if you're able to, you know, spin around or you have a quicker turning rate outside of what their expectations are, they'll kick you. They'll kick it or flag it as cheating. Okay. So oh, you that's know, interesting. You know, and um, wow, wow, John brings a point to the show. Wow. So yeah, it's kind of interesting <laughs> to good. see where that ends up or how that goes. Yeah. Because he was going, because he's just like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Um, you know, he goes, they can't do that well maybe they're maybe they're doing something else yeah i mean obviously i don't know unless uh, unless microsoft changed their rules to outlaw a device like this mm -hmm. if a gamer gets banned because they're doing this and not cheating that sounds like that doesn't sound like for yeah, yeah it yeah. doesn't sound like a, a legitimate cheating. bannable offense they're not cheating or anything like that they're using something that that functions with the console i guess the uh, whole I suppose microsoft could call it that way and and i i'm and you know yeah. what i'm sure that microsoft's terms of service say if you are believed to be cheating, we can ban you for any reason, and you have no legal recourse because you are a user and no one cares. Um, well, Garoth in the chat room brings up a great point. It's like, well, yeah. what about modded controllers? I mean, people have been using modded controllers forever. Yeah, uh, you that's know, true. Well, and there's there's and all those uh, those those slow. controller add-ons, those things that look like spiders reaching yeah. over your controller. It's supposed to make it easier to use. And uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, how far? 
how far will it go? It, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem, you know what, the, the only way I'm going to go back and get into console gaming again, especially that kind of console gaming, would be with something like this. I, mm-hmm. I straight up wouldn't buy and won't buy an Xbox or a PS4 uh, unless something like this works really, really well and, <laughs> and is something that, that could get me back into it. But, I mean, we've talked about it before. My Xbox 360 is sitting unplugged in my entertainment center and has been for years. Yeah. You said it's been four years since my PS4 was it online? Was, it I think. was two yeah. to three years, I think. Two to three years? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, and the Xbox was before that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you know, if they're going to if they're gonna get all heavy-handed on this stuff, uh, I, I think they're going to be very successful at driving people away Yeah. rather than, you know, but... We'll see. I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, obviously, if this thing comes to market and you see uh, Xbox banning a whole bunch of players uh, for using a peripheral that they can go and buy off the shelf, Mm -hmm. we'll see. But in the meantime, in the meantime, I used it at the show. I got to test it out and it worked. It worked extremely well. It felt comfortable. It felt comfortable finally playing a first person shooter on a console. (laughs) Uh, One of my good friends, Jason Harper. He uh he's got an Xbox One. He's got Battlefield Four, and uh, you know he plays it with his friends and other and family members. They you know, they have like a BF4 night. And he goes, "Come on, man, we we play. I mean, I got one. We can play. We can play together." I'm like, "Dude, I'm not playing a first person shooter on a console. I just can't do it. I'm sorry." He goes, "What if I buy the game for you?" I'm like, "It's not about that. It's not about that. I can go out and afford the game right now. It's about the control." Now, that being said. If this thing was out and he bought me the game, I wouldn't even tell him I had this thing, and he'd be like, "Dude, how are you playing so well?" I don't know. I just got it. I just got a. You know, I got the knack for the controller thing now. Right. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, we have a lot more coverage on our website. If you guys want to check it out, it's it's over there at geekgamer.tv. We also had an interview with Stern Pinball. We also had an interview with a, a company at Showstoppers developing something called the Sinister Controller. It's customizable with haptic feedback and much more. And other great coverage from the mm-hmm. CES all on our homepage. If you just come to our homepage and you can click this banner here, and it will take you right there. We also, by the way, had a uh, an interesting detour, if you will, with Dr. Amy of Buzzy. All I got to say is this. Uh, you should really go and check it out. Uh, viewer discretion is advised and encouraged and involves some In-N-Out burgers, and it was truly a lot of fun and uh hopefully we'll be doing more stuff with amy in the future uh in in the broadcasting realm because she was just fun and awesome uh she's been doing really good work and look for her on what is it the dragon's den is that what the american version is uh dragon's den is the uk version uh shark 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 tank shark tank Tank. yeah Yeah. i'm sorry i'm I've been watching so much UK programming. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. Uh, but, yeah, geekgamer.tv if you want to check out all the uh, CES stuff. Um, I want to put a cap on the CES topic. There's one other thing I want to announce to you guys before we get out of here. But, uh, uh, John, uh, CES next year, are you down for going uh, again? I mean, I know it's a long way from now, but w- what was your experience? Would you do it again? Sure. Even if, you, even if you don't have to hold the camera? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? A, um, <laughs> any, anything else? I was going to say, uh, if if I.O. Gear watches this episode, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, put a, a crusher on uh, the topic. No, of your, no, but it brings, up, it brings up, no, it, it's not, you're not crushing the hardware. You're, you're no. just bringing up good points that maybe they need to address, and so maybe you're helping them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, uh, what are your thoughts of CES? Would you do it again? Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> 
Probably. I mean, it would depend on stuff going around at the time. Sure, a year is still kind of yeah. a long ways off, but totally. but probably if if things work out, I probably would be down. And I actually, I uh, I met with uh, I met Cameron Man uh, Friday night in Portland. He and I hung out for a little while. Oh, cool! And um, he said he really wished he could have gone, but uh, because of another trip he had planned with his girlfriend, they couldn't get the time off. Ah, so no he is down, I think, for next year as well. Yeah. If uh, if we all want to do it. Yeah, and if we have four people, we'll probably do the do the rental of the house route or something like that. The hotel room did work out fine. John, you were very yeah. comfortable in the lounger. Yeah. <laughs> Except you're underneath the fan, which we yes. couldn't. You could have moved the chair. Where? That's true. You could have turned the chair around. You could have put it in the 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 the, the way in front of the front door. You could have put or it or, oh, or yeah. turned it around, just looked out the window. That's right? true. Looked out onto yeah. the onto the uh, yeah. waterfall and stuff. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to announce before we get out of here, uh, we don't do this often, but when we do, it's a lot of fun. Uh, next week, uh, next Sunday, uh, probably I, I'm guesstimating around 2 p.m. Pacific time because uh, what we're doing ends around 12 noon ish, and then we'll do some cleanup, and then we'll set up, and we'll do it. Uh, Geek Gamer Weekly will be live on location. Last time we were live on location somewhere, it was at um, AFK Tavern, and I think that was like two years ago. Uh, so uh, we're we're heading to a place called Dam Land. It's in Olympia, Washington. It's at Tugboat Annie's. Mm-hmm. It's basically sold out at this point. I think Carrie can fit you in if, if there are just one or two people uh, you want to get in, you want to come and hang out. But let me pull up the website here. It's It's very, very nondescript, and there's a reason for that. Uh, <laughs> because pictures, incriminating evidence, you know, not a good thing. Um, but here it is, uh, Damlin. Uh, it's uh, January 24th through the 26th. It is this weekend. And what makes it special is the fact that you get to game with your friends, computer gaming. Uh, we'll also probably do some Star Trek Artemis and other games. But it's it's in the basement of a, an awesome restaurant and bar. And uh, let me uh, specify bar. 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 In, in big bold letters, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but after the event on Sunday, the twenty sixth, that afternoon, so about two p.m. Pacific, five p.m. Eastern, uh, we will be doing a live show from Tugboat Annie's, and we'll be giving away uh, some awesome prizes, uh, courtesy of Plantronics. Uh, we had an interview with them, and you can check that out on our website. Uh, they uh, they've been kind enough to uh, send me some product on short notice to help spread the word of what they're doing and to kind of give some things away. Uh, so if you want to check that out, you have to be at the event. Now, here's a cool thing. Since the event will be all over um, and it is a public place, you're more than welcome to come on down and uh, check out the live taping if you're in the Olympia, Washington area uh, for Damland. And we'll be pushing up more details as the week goes. But around 2 p.m. Sunday afternoon, the 26th. Should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Joseph Falby, can't wait. To, I mean, I'll be seeing you again next week, this weekend. I can't believe it, man. Yeah. It's just this is like a weird time warp. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot to mention, and it's my birthday. At Damland. <sighs> at Damland. Not, not today. Not today. No, but it oh. will be my birthday at Damland, which is which is great. I'm going to be yeah. celebrating it with my friends. Cannot wait for that. Uh, Joe Falby, uh, will be uh, hanging out with you this weekend, playing some gameage, probably some uh, Star. Ship Artemis and uh, Kerbal Space Program and other fun stuff. I, I'm going to try to get a game of uh, Typing of the Dead going too. Yes, because <laughs> it is multiplayer. So oh. I've, I've been playing it. I played it a couple times this weekend. It, it's uh, it's kind typing of entertaining. Typing of the Dead, man. I played that yeah, on the Dreamcast. I think it would be. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, after having visited the bar. 
<laughs> you can follow Joe on Twitter at Falby, F-A-L-B-E-Y. Uh, he does. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll take birthday shots. I'm okay with that. Uh, John Kessler, uh, you'll be there as well. I'll yep. be picking you up on Friday, and then we'll be making the trek down. And uh, you can't follow John on Twitter. He's nope. on Google+, Plus, but he's technically really not there. there. He nope. just had to sign up for an account. Uh, if you guys want, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S, and please follow the network on Twitter at GeekGamerTV. You can find this show, that's right, the one that you're watching right now live on iTunes. And you can download it. Just search for Geek Gamer Weekly. We have an HD, an SD, and an MP3 version available to you. And also, if you don't want to watch it uh, on iTunes, let's say you're you're on Android, we have RSS feeds on our website, and also Windows Phone. We're on that Zune Marketplace, so you can grab us there. Or if you have a, a favorite podcatching client, you can pop in our RSS feeds, and you can do it there. So many different ways to, to drop in. And, and by the way, if you've enjoyed this show and you like what we're doing, and uh, it's one of those things where, hey, you know, I like to see independent internet programming grow and Chase not being on the street. All right. You know, because I am still jobless at this point. Uh, think about donating or supporting us when you do shopping at Amazon. You know, if you shop at Amazon, and I do, I do a lot of shopping at Amazon. Click the banner uh, you know, before you do your shopping because it won't change the prices, but a part of that shopping experience goes to support us here at Geek Gamer TV. Also, by the way, if you're on Amazon Canada, you can do that too. Or you can just uh, donate extra Bitcoin, you know, that, that coin that's kind of stuck in your couch. You know, that, that kind of coin, you know, the Bitcoin, little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you can donate those too. So many different options available. We do the show Sunday evenings, except for next week, which will be during the day. So... If you have friends on the East Coast that say, hey, well, I can't stay up late, like Nick. Nick is. Nick is staying up late. Uh, then, yes, please join us. And, yeah, don't watch the Pro Bowl. Watch us. Should be a lot of fun. For John Kessler, Joseph Falvey, I'm Chase News. Thank you for downloading and watching Geek Gamer Weekly. Until we all talk again, we are all silent. Say goodnight, Grace. Goodnight, Grace. Kevin Spacey. <laughs>